Good morning, Emmanuel. I'm so blessed to be up here and to be able to bring the word to you this morning. Now, I know what you're thinking. The title of the message is How to Overcome Struggles, and you're watching a 26-year-old tell all of you how you're going to overcome your struggles. But fear not, the, the wisdom I have today is not my own. It is biblical wisdom. It is God wisdom. It is well beyond the 26 years that I have been here on this earth. But before I start, I want to give a very special shout out. It was my dad's birthday this weekend. Friday was my dad's birthday. Yeah, so happy birthday, dad. Um, he's not here today. Him and my mom are away. They, they took a little trip for his birthday. But I like to say there's, I've had a lot of influences in my life, a lot of reasons that you know, I am the man that I am today, but there's two specific ones that, that I really always come back to that have really molded me. The first is my heavenly father, and the second is my dad. My dad has meant so much to me. He is the man that I aspire to be. He's taught me so much in life, and a lot of what I'm going to speak today um, is just directly influenced by him. So thank you, dad. I love you. I know you're watching right now. Thank you. So, like I said this morning, we're going to talk about how to overcome struggles. And as I was preparing for this week, I really, you know, came to a couple different places in Scripture. But specifically, there's three different things, three different attributes, if you will, that help us overcome struggles. This is an upgrade. Last time I had two words. Today I have three. I'm learning. I'm growing. Praise be to God. So, I'm going to go through a couple different struggles. But before I even jump into the things that help us overcome struggles, I want to talk about struggles in and of themselves. You see, a lot of us, we don't enjoy struggles. We question, why do we struggle? Why do we face these things, these trials here on earth? And I just want to point out that God's word never says that you won't face trouble. As a matter of fact, it says the complete opposite. In John 16, Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. See, Jesus does not allow us to avoid our problems. Rather, he gives us a way through them. So this morning, or if ever in your life, if you've questioned the struggles that you've been through, if you've wondered, why me? Why am I going through this? Just remember that struggles are a natural part of life. As a matter of fact, Jesus did not even withhold himself from struggling, from difficulty. I would argue if there's anybody in the history of existence that struggled the most, it was Jesus. From the cross to everything he endured, the suffering, being the one who had to take the weight of all of our sin, that is struggle. So if Jesus went through it, if he was willing to go through it for you and I, we also have to prepare to endure all these different struggles, all these different things that are going to make life more difficult for us. But we do it knowing that we have a savior who is there for us, for us to lean on, for us to be with. He has gone through the fire so that we will also be able to as well. So there's three different things I wanna talk about, three different attributes, I call them, that if we really lean on God, if we really trust him, he will refine these things through our struggles. And if we're able to kind of really hone in on these three different attributes, these three different things, I would like to say that we'll be able to get through any struggle that the world throws at us, anything. So three different words, you can, you can write them down if you're a note taker. The first word, if you're a teen of mine, if you know me, this word will come no surprise to you whatsoever. It's perspective. It's my favorite word in the world. I know earlier this year I said I was going to leave it behind in 2020, but I just can't help it. Perspective is such a great word. Perspective, as I see it, is defined by how you choose to see things. 
how we choose to see things, our perspective is how we decide to look at something, a situation, a person, anything. It's how we decide to look at it. And my favorite story about perspective in the world comes from Matthew chapter 14. So you can turn to there right now. It's the first story we're going to be going into. Now, for those who, who aren't familiar with this story, um, the disciples and Jesus are together, and the disciples get on a boat. Jesus stays back. He's going to spend some time alone, which he seems to prioritize in Scripture. Makes you wonder. Um, but anyway, the disciples go out on this boat onto this lake, and a storm hits, this crazy storm. It's rocking the boat all over the place, and Jesus isn't with them, so they're freaking out a little bit, right? They're in the midst of this terrible storm. Their, their boat's being rocked. They don't know what's gonna happen next, and Jesus senses their, their struggle, their difficulty, and Jesus being on land and the disciples being on water, and I'm guessing there was no second boat. If there was, Jesus wanted to show off, decides to walk on the water towards the disciples, if you're new to church, those words I said are correct. I didn't, I'm not making this up. Jesus walks on the water in the middle of the storm to the disciples. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen anybody walk on water, but I imagine it's not the most easing sight. They didn't know what to do. They were scared. They thought it was a ghost. They've never seen their Savior, their God, in this way. So they freak out, and they start worrying, and Jesus says, don't, don't worry, guys, it's me. And of course, Peter has something to say because Peter always has something to say. He's one of my favorites because he gives me hope. Peter, it's true, Peter sees him and he says this, starting in verse 28. He said, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. That's some faith right there. Come, Jesus said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. Peter, as well, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and, began, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshiped him, saying, truly you are the son of God. Now, there's a lot to talk about in this story. At the beginning, Jesus walks on water, and Peter sees him and realizes what's happening. And Peter says, Jesus, if it's really you, tell me to do what you're doing. Tell me to come to you, and I will. And Jesus says, come. And Peter walks on water. Peter does something miraculous. But do you notice what happens like a second after that? He changes his focus. He changes his perspective. And when he's focused on Jesus, when his eyes are on Jesus, he's walking on water. But the moment he looks at the storm, he starts to sink. I think there is so much just telling of this story. Because in life, we will be in the middle of some heavy storms. And in the midst of a storm, there's a lot to distract us. When you think of a storm, it's not just wind, it's not just rain, it's lightning, thunder, it's all of it. There's a lot to take your attention away from all these different things. Just like in life, when you're facing struggles, there's a lot within these struggles that can take our attention away. And the storm vies for your attention. But if you stand firm like Peter did at the beginning and keep your eyes on Jesus, he wasn't even thinking about the storm in that moment. 
And in the middle of a storm, he was doing something miraculous. He was doing something people never would have thought possible when his eyes were on Jesus. But as soon as his eyes went to the storm, he sank. He forgot what it was all about. So the takeaway here is your perspective affects your potential. Where your eyes are, there your potential is as well. When you're in the middle of a struggle, perspective is so, so important because if you can keep your eyes on Jesus, if you can keep them straight ahead where Jesus is, you'll be capable of doing something that people never thought possible. But as soon as your focus shifts to the struggle, to the storm that surrounds you, your focus goes to that, you lose some of that potential that we have. It's so, so easy to focus on the difficulties of our lives. Sometimes our difficulties feel more real than Jesus does, right? They feel real, but, but they just, they're just so much easier to see the difficulty, the tough stuff that we go through. Sometimes they feel more real, but Jesus, I promise you, is always, always going to be dependable and more real than anything we've ever gone through. And Jesus understands that we're going to go through struggles, but it doesn't allow us to take our eyes off him. Nothing is worth shifting our focus from Jesus. Nothing. He is the way to get through everything that the world has thrown on us. So perspective is the first thing I wanted to talk about. If you keep your eyes on Jesus, if your focus is straight ahead on Jesus, then the storm and the wind and the struggles of life just matter a little bit less. And that focus on Jesus will be the thing that helps you get through whatever you're facing. I don't know the struggles that you're facing today. I'm going to say that word a lot. It's going to come out a lot of different ways. And something's going to come to your mind. Because there's typically never a time in life that we're not struggling. I know Pastor Mark says you're in one of three places. You're about to go through a struggle, you're in a struggle, or you're just coming out of a struggle. Right? Which means it's always going to be a part of our life. So we might as well get ready to face the things that we're about to, which brings me to the second word I want to talk about today, and that is resilience. Oh, I love this word. Resilience, toughness, being ready to face the battles that come. Because as Jesus said in his word, struggles and difficulty and battles will be there for us to face. We're not called to live an easy life. Jesus says you're not going to live an easy life. When we come to Jesus, when we claim salvation as our own, it doesn't mean life becomes easier. As a matter of fact, I think life becomes a little bit more difficult, but it also becomes a lot more worthy when we walk with our Savior. And resilience is one of those things that as Christians, I believe resilience should be a mark of who we are. Our Savior was the most resilient person in this world. He went through so much more than you and I will ever, ever have to go through, but he understood that what was on the other side, that fighting through the battle was worth fighting through. And, and there's another story in scripture that, that for me just screams resilience. It, it's, it was one of the coolest stories in scripture, I think, and it's found in Genesis 32 when Jacob actually wrestles God. Again, if you're new to church, I, I did say those words, Jacob wrestled God. And this isn't like, a, like emotional, mental, metaphorical wrestling. This is hand-to-hand combat. This is like WWE. No, it's not that. But it's like God in the form 
of an angel came down to earth and wrestled Jacob. And, and they actually wrestled like throughout the entire night in this story. So in this story in Genesis 32, Jacob had sent his family ahead and it was just him. And this angel comes down and I really don't know how they started wrestling, but they did. And I guess Jacob just kind of had this sense of he knew what was going on. He knew who was before him and he wanted to be blessed. Isn't that what we all want? We all are seeking a blessing. There's only one true place we can get that blessing, and that is the good Lord. And so Jacob sees this angel. He sees God before him, and he wrestles all night. And here's the thing. Jacob wasn't the one who gave up. Jacob was not the one who gave up. Look at it in verse 26. It says, Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak meaning they'd been wrestling all night. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go until you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob was in this for a blessing. He was resilient. He was battling through the night because he said, I want to be blessed. As Christians, a lot of hardship is gonna be thrown our way and resilience is the mark of trusting God. Because it can be so easy to fall back and have this woe is me mentality and say the world is against me, life isn't fair, I want to give up. You're right, the world is against you. Life is not fair. But Christ is with you and he builds within you this resilience. Listen, life without struggles is nothing. We need to build up, we need to build ourselves to be strong. Think of the nature of when somebody is working out right? You're literally tearing your muscles apart so they can come back stronger. God in us wants to tear you apart, wants to break you down so you can come back stronger. Without difficulty, without struggles, there is no build in who we are. I go back to the story Mark told a couple weeks ago about Ben. You guys remember Ben, right? The story he told at the end of scripture. Ben had been through so much difficulty in life that by the time that he was towards the end of his life, nothing could tear him down. That's resilience. That is being willing to stand up in the midst of all kinds of difficulty that you face. And do you know what helps resilience? A firm foundation. Remember when Jesus talks about the houses that were built on sand, the house that was built on a rock? The house that was built on a sand had no resilience because the sand shifted and that thing came crashing down. No resilience whatsoever. But that house that was built on the rock, that had a firm foundation, it was not going anywhere. No matter what storm came, no matter how much it wanted to push it down, because that house was built on the rock, it was firm. So as Christians, if our foundation is firm, our resilience will be strong. And resilience, again, is a mark of people who have their foundation in Christ. And in the book of James, man, in the book of James, it talks about this idea. James says, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. Read that again. Again, I'm just saying the words that God has put in his holy word. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. 
You see, James understood that there's a bigger picture to our struggles. The difficulty that we face can have purpose. And if we give it to God, it is guaranteed to have purpose. When we put our life in his hands, when we put our struggles in his hands, purpose comes out of it. And resilience is built. James understood that resilience is just a part of the story. That as we go through struggle and difficulty, that we are going to build this up. Because here's the thing, there's people out in the world who don't know our Savior. And when life hits them, when struggles, when they're faced with struggles, so many people have a difficulty to stand on their own two feet. So many people just want to fold and fall back and have difficulty. And if there was ever people in this world who were called to stand next to those people who can't stand on their own, to lift them up, it's us. It's the people of God. Because we know that our Savior stood up for us in the midst of difficulty. He was resilient. We know that if we can stand up in the midst of difficulty, we will be resilient. And that resiliency is called out into the world to go help people who don't know the one that keeps us up on our own two feet. There is not a chance in the world that I'm standing here today without Jesus. He is my savior. He is my foundation. He is the one that holds me up. And there's people out in the world that need to see this, that need to understand this. Some people think the life is no more than you're born, you live, you're done. But as we know, there is so much more to that. And life takes on so much greater meaning and purpose when we claim our savior. So resiliency is just something that, that God wants to build in you. And you see, so we have this tendency sometimes when we go through difficulty to ask why. Have you ever asked that question? Why is this happening to me? This is so difficult. This is unfair. Why? In reality, we don't deserve those answers. We want those answers, right? Just like many people in the world. But if we are willing to be resilient, if we're willing to lean on God, then we'll be resilient. I like to say, be a warrior, not a worrier. Two very similar words, two completely different pathways. Are you gonna stand firm, stand resilient, and trust in God through the storm, or are we gonna allow ourselves to fall back into the difficulty that surrounds us? Again, don't be like Peter in the second half. Be like Peter in the first half. Keep your eyes on him. Be willing to be resilient, and just watch God do what God can do. Now, the last attribute, the last thing that we should be asking God to build up within us is dependence. I would argue this is the most important of the three. This impacts all of them. It's dependence on God. Relying on God. Rely on God. It's simple advice, yet it seems the most difficult to follow. If we trust God, if we tr truly trust God, if we lean on him, then he will lead us through. Again, I'm not claiming that life is gonna be easy, but I'm saying that God will see you through everything that you've gone through and will go through. And there's so many different things in life that we wanna lean on when tough times come, right? Sometimes we wanna lean on other people. We wanna lean on somebody because we think they're worthy of holding up our weight. Spoiler alert, they're not. Nobody can hold you up like our savior can. We try to lean on other people, say this person's gonna help me, this is the one that's gonna get me through. Nobody was meant to hold you up like that. See, I always think of it like this, like, you know, have you ever leaned on like a tree, like a firm tree that's been there forever? That thing's not going down, 
You can lean on it, you can put all your weight on it, and it's not going anywhere. That, that's like God. If you lean on it, it's firm, it's not going anywhere, you can trust that you're not gonna fall. Leaning on another person is like trying to put your full weight on a two by four. It's gonna fold, it's gonna fall. God will never, ever let you fall. He is going to hold you up. You need to depend on him because otherwise we fall prey to all these difficulties and struggles. And my favorite story in the Bible about dependence on God is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Oh, this is such a great story. Spoiler alert, again, if you're new to church, this one might be the craziest of all three that I'm about to say. So buckle yourself in for the story that you're gonna get. But it's one of my favorite stories, and it's one of my favorite stories for a reason that I think so often gets overlooked. And I'll explain that in a moment. So for those of you who don't know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are living in this place, and King Nebuchadnezzar is the king of where they're living. And King Nebuchadnezzar is this tyrannical leader. As a matter of fact, he builds a statue where people have to worship him. Whenever they hear this music, everybody has to physically bow down to it, basically bowing down to King Nebuchadnezzar. He wanted to be a god to these people. Now, most people were like, okay, fine, I don't wanna get in trouble, so I'll, I'll follow the rules. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew that Nebuchadnezzar was not God. They knew God was God. They knew of the same God that we know. So they were not bowing down for this statue. And that was kind of known when these rules were put into place. People were tired of, of these three praising this, this God that they so-called followed. So sure enough, the first time it happened, the music plays, people bow down on the statue except for three people, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I imagine like a full crowd of people and everybody bows down and you just see three of them standing there. Like, and so King Nebuchadnezzar gets upset because he's crazy and he calls him up and the penalty for not bowing down was to be thrown into the furnace, was to be burnt to a crisp like a DiGiorno pizza you forgot in the oven. Listen, I still haven't learned how to cook. Forgive me, all right? I'm getting there. Anyway, so he calls him up and he tells him what's gonna happen and this is their response. They say, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. But even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you have set up. Those four words are so amazing to me. Even if he doesn't. That is dependence on God. Because they realize that the outcome does not say anything about who God is. Sometimes we think God is only good for the outcome that he's going to give us. We pray to God for him to stop the struggles altogether than him to be present in the midst of them. They saw what was going to happen to them and they thought two things. One, God can save us from this. We believe in him, we trust in him fully, we know he can save us from this furnace. But even if he doesn't, he's still good. They knew that. 
They knew that God wasn't just the God of their outcomes, that God didn't just want happy things to happen to us, but God was in it for depth, that God was still with them no matter what. Can you imagine the boldness of those three as they stood up in front of that king and said, we don't care what happens to us. We will not back down from praising our God, the one true God. That's dependence right there. That's faith in God. If we depend on God, if we lean on him with all the weight that we possess, he will continue to be there for us. And it might not come out in ways that we expect. It doesn't mean we're gonna get everything that we want. It doesn't mean that we're gonna get everything that we pray for. It means that God will continue to build in us the things that he needs to build in us. Sometimes we pray this, but God's priority is over here. Sometimes we pray for an answer, but God's looking for something that's gonna build something us up in this. That's why I talked about three attributes today. These things aren't physical. They're not something you're gonna hold in your hand. They're something that God wants to build within you that will continue to strengthen you as a person as you walk forward in life. God is not concerned with the same things we're concerned with. He has a bigger picture than we do. God's concerned with making us fully rounded people so that we can go and spread the gospel in the most effective way. So God wants you to be of good perspective. He wants you to keep your eyes on him because if you keep your eyes on him, your potential will skyrocket. You will be able to do more than you ever thought possible. God wants you to be resilient. He wants you to be able to stand firm on that firm foundation and know that when the winds beat on your house, that when the storm comes, the nastiest storm you've ever seen, that you will be able to stand firm because God has built a resilience within you that only he can give. And God wants you to depend on him. It's why we claim him as savior. If we claim him as savior, we should be willing to put all the weight that we have on him. C.S. Lewis said, you know, there's people that aren't Christians. There's people that are Christians. There can't be people that are moderately Christian. It doesn't make sense. If you know this savior, if you know this God, if you know all that he's done for you, then be all in. Lean on him. He can hold you up in the midst of anything. So my question for you today is how are you going to handle the battle that you're in? How are you gonna handle the difficulty, the struggle? Will you choose to have the perspective of Peter? Will you choose to keep your eyes on Jesus? Will you choose to have the resilience of Jacob, the one that says, I'm not backing down until I know I have what God has for me? And will you have the dependence of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the one that says, even if he doesn't give me what I want him to give me, I'm still gonna praise him. That's how we're gonna get through difficulty. That's how we're gonna overcome struggle today and every day. God doesn't want you to have an easy life. He wants you to have a worthy life, one that is full, one that builds you up, one that prepares you for tomorrow, and one that helps spur on the people around you. God has so much for you and don't shortchange the struggles in your life. God is doing something in you that maybe you might not be able to see. And maybe it sounds like I'm talking crazy because I don't understand your struggle. But do you know who understands your struggle? God. Jesus has gone through everything that we could ever imagine. I know there's so many things that you're like, there's no way he understands this, but he does. Read the gospels, see the things that he went through. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he was sweating like drops of blood. Some of us feel so, so under the pressure of mental health, so difficult. We, we think there's no way Jesus went through this. 
But I promise you, Jesus understands everything you're going through. Now to end today, we're gonna sing one of my favorite worship songs in the world. Uh, We've never sang it here before, but I'm so thankful that I get to introduce it to you guys today. It's called Another in the Fire. It's direct from that last story I told of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the whole idea of the song is that there's another in the fire. Whenever you're in difficulty, whenever you're in trouble, there's another in the fire. Because there's a part in the story that I left out that said, when the people looked in the furnace, they didn't see three people standing there. How many did they see? Four. They knew their God was with them. And when you go through struggles today, when you go through difficulty, there is another in the fire with you. And whenever I listen to this song, whenever I sing it, whenever I hear it, there's always a line that sticks out to me. And it it just, it never ever leaves my head whenever I listen to it. There's a line that says, I'll count the joy come every battle because I know that's where you'll be. How crazy would it be if we would trust God so much that we would count every battle as joy because we know God is with us in the midst of it. It's the whole idea behind this song. It's the whole idea behind this message is that when you're in the midst of difficulty, when you're in the midst of struggles, it's not just one, it's two. It's four even because we have a God who loves us. We have a savior who saved us. We have a spirit who is with us. You are never, ever alone in the struggles that you face. So as we sing this song, you might wanna respond in a couple different ways. Now I know most worship songs are the same 10 words sang over and over again. It's like the Taco Bell menu. It's 10 things that are just 50 different ways. But this song is different. It's got depth. It's, it's got a lot of things that you might just wanna sit there and, and read the words on the screen and listen to them because there's a lot to it. Just like there's a lot to the struggles we go through and the life that we face. But I promise you this, whether you're on the mountain or in the valley, God is with you. Because we know God on the mountain, but he still controls the valley. So as we sing this song today, you might wanna respond in prayer. You might wanna respond by standing up and singing at the top of your lungs. I encourage that, I love that. But as this song is new, and you're getting to know it, you might just wanna just contemplate the words that God is putting over you through this song because it really has a lot to say about everything I just said today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we know you are good. Our life circumstances do not take away how good you are. You have shown us the proof of your goodness by sending your son to die on the cross for us God, if there's anybody here online or in person that does not know your saving, healing power, I pray today they would be introduced. I pray today they would come to know the God that has saved them, that has already sent his son to die on the cross for them. God, you did that. You loved us so much that you gave it all for us. You were willing to go through the ultimate struggle of life so that you would save us. And so God, today and tomorrow and every day, as we go through these battles of life, would we be able to lean on you? God, there's nothing on this earth that can hold us up like you can. God, you see us in the midst of difficulty. You hold us up. You love us. 
There's nothing that we could ever do that could ever take away the love that you have for us. So God, I know that as I look out, as I pray for every person here and every person online, there's something in their mind that goes, but I don't know. He doesn't know what I'm going through. He doesn't know what I have going on at home. He doesn't know the battles I face. And that is 100% true. I do not know those things, God, but you do. God, I pray that everybody would know that you are in the midst of their, of their difficulty, that you are with them, that when they feel like the fire is so hot that they can't stand anymore, that if they were to look right beside them, they would see you there, that you are with them in the midst of everything they go through. God, we love you. We know that this life is so much bigger than ourselves. Our life is yours. And I pray we would lay it down this morning. We would lay down everything and anything at your feet because you are God and you are worthy. We love you and we thank you. And it's in your name we pray, amen.